Welcome to Cornerstone Assembly of God's weekly sermon podcast. Thanks for joining us. You can head over to cornerstoneaog.com to find information on different ministries that we offer. Thank you for downloading. Now I think it's time we listen to this week's sermon. Today's message is titled First Fruits, Giving God Your Best or What's Left. Giving God your best or what's left. Why do little things bug me like that? (laughs) This podium is swaying in the spirit. Okay, anyway. Common misconceptions. Yeah, you work on that while I go through this. Um, Otherwise, really, it does. It's so distracting. Is that OCD? I'm sorry. There's common misconceptions. Number one, people say, why does God need my money? God does not need your money. You know, could you, you see him sitting up there, Michael, Gabriel, what are we going to do? How are we going to pay the bill next month? Come on. He don't need your money. But because, like the scripture that Pastor Neil, and I almost thought about just saying amen because you were going through all the scriptures. I'm like, Brian, there goes another one. Brian, there goes another one. (laughs) But like the scripture says that where our treasure is, that's where our heart will be found. So God does need your heart. So where does he have to go? To your treasure. Let me ask you, married couples, what if your spouse came to you and said, right before or on your wedding day, on your wedding day, and said, you know what? I love you with all my heart. You are number one. It's you and me, baby, for eternity. But just give me one day a week. I can go and do whatever I want to. Six days out of seven. You know what? I love you so much. Just one day out of 352. Come on. Would you say, yeah, go ahead? I'll say I do. No, you wouldn't. No, it's either all or nothing. God says the same thing. It's either all or nothing. I need all your heart. You can't love that treasure and say you love me. But God don't need your money. He needs your heart. The second common misconception about giving. We give to God so we can get from God. Well, he did say test me on this, right? But if we are giving to get, then all we're producing in our heart is greed. I want, I want, I want, I want. All right, fine, God. I'll put my quarter in your slot machine. And I better win the jackpot. Giving to get is not what God is trying to teach us. If we only give to get, we are producing a greedy heart and not a generous heart. Giving to get works greed and selfishness into your heart. If you're wondering if you are giving to get, ask yourself this question. When you are tithing and something goes wrong in your finances, is God and the tithe you gave the first thing to be questioned? Mm -hmm. 
Are you loyal to God or are you loyal to money? You cannot be loyal to both. The third common misconception about giving, I'm paying my tithe. I'm paying my tithe. Paying sounds like you're paying a bill that's owed. Even the word giving, giving means that you own it. You can't give something you don't own. Otherwise, I think that's stealing. But that's another scripture. You can't give what you don't own. God said, bring. Bring all your tithe. Bring to me what belongs to me, God says. That's mine. Now bring it. And the fourth common misconception, give God the first of what's left. And I have to admit, this was huge for me for many years. I don't know how far back I was taught it. I was even teaching it until, uh, I don't know, a couple years ago, maybe, maybe three years ago at the most. Um, a light bulb just, I mean, God's just like, hey, this is not okay. Kind of like what Crystal shared last week. I don't know why I was doing it. I was just doing it. Uh, you know, I didn't really understand it. Well, I was taught that you give out of what comes into your hand. Well, that sounds noble, doesn't it? Until you look at your paycheck stub. If I'm only paying the first of what comes into my hand, if I look at my paycheck stub, there's a lot that don't go into my hand first from my harvest. So as noble as that sounds, you really have to do some investigating. Am I really giving off the first, off the best, or am I just giving off what's left? God gave me this simple illustration. That's why I put together this basket of fruit. Um, when he opened my eyes to this a few years ago, because I'm like, well, God, I'm giving you the best. I'm giving you the first of everything that comes. And I remember arguing this with God. I'm doing this correctly. Stop trying to correct me. I'm doing this right. And the simple illustration came to me uh, of farmers or back in the Bible days or back in the pioneer days when they literally walked out there in their harvest, run their hand through the harvest and said, now it's ripe, now it's ready. And they would grab a basket and they would pick the first, pick, pick, and put it in the basket and that, before they harvested all the rest, would take that and set that before God. That's yours. The first, the best. We're not going to touch anything else until we offer to God what's his first. And yet in our days, <laughs> when we work for the paycheck for the man, Friday, if you're lucky, every week, you get a check. Well, when you bring that check home and you open up the check, the amount that's written on the check is not your complete harvest. Uncle Sam has gotten in there, and he's, he's taken, he says, you know what, this one's mine, this one's mine. As a matter of fact, here, oh, Whoa. this one's mine. 
And he takes this great big chunk, and he says, now, before I even give you your portion, this is mine. And then you get, and you look in your basket, and there's a hole in my basket, dear Liza. I know I've made more than that. But God, here's your portion. And God says, wait a minute. What about that? Well, that's Uncle Sam's. He took it first. Oh, so Uncle Sam's your God. And I said, no, God, you know you're my God. He says, and why can't you honor me before even Uncle Sam gets all this? If you can look up, which they do, put your full harvest at the top of that check stub. Can't you look back and honor me with those first fruits? So you had so Uncle Sam took this, this, and this. I still have a record of what it was. And I can still grab God the best part and say, Well, that wasn't the best part. This one's the best part, isn't it? Look at this orange. This is an orange. Does that come from the Jolly Green Giant? I don't know. And look at these were my oranges at home right there. My mom gave me this last night. I'm like, I'm gonna use that. Anyway. Oh, you want this? Sorry, this goes to God. The best, the first. So it takes some planning. Nowadays, it takes some planning to remove Uncle Sam from being number one and taking the first priority and going back around him. Or, hello, if you've got a 401K, if you've got uh, medical insurance that comes out of your check, all that stuff you got to back around those things and say, this was the harvest. This was the real harvest for the week. God, you deserve the first part of that, not of what's left. Sorry, that was just common misconceptions. We're not even preaching yet. This morning, I want to communicate a very simple principle that if you begin to apply this, you will begin to truly live a blessed life. Here it is. Giving must be done according to God's will and not your will. God told us what to give, when to give, and where to give. When we give what we want, when we want, and where we want, we are imposing our will over God's will. Let that just sink in a second, because over the many years of doing ministry, I hear good Christians making this mistake. Well, I'll give what I want. Tithing's of the Old Testament. Uh, Tithing was an old principle. And over and over again, and I could bore you to death with a thousand upon a thousand scriptures where Jesus said, I have not come to abolish the law, but fulfill it. And he says, yes, I know, you tithe even off. You remember when he told the Pharisee, you tithe even off your spices. You separate one little kernel and you say, right here, God, that's yours. When you're taking in the harvest of even the spices. But he says, there's still other things too. Don't forget to do that. But there's love and mercy and peace and that you need to sow on top of that. But don't do away with that. You still need to tithe. That's a principle. 
But when we decide what we want to tithe, when we want to tithe, or where. I hear people say all the time, oh, I can give my tithe to whoever. I want to give my tithe to my neighbor down the street. They need it. Where in the Bible does it say to bring your tithe to your neighbor down your street? Yeah, exactly. That, that's a wonderful offering. Yes, that's loving your neighbor. Yes, that's providing food for them. But that is not yours to determine what and where you're going to place it. That is God's. And you need to return to him, bring back to him what's his. Then the 90%, he says, have your way, go ahead. Give out of that 90%, give out of what's left there to your neighbor. But when we give what we want, when we want, and where we want, we are imposing our will over God's will. So let's look at the story that you just watched on the video. I know we've, we've, we've hammered this and hammered this, but I want to just break it down. Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4, I'm going to read to you out of the new international version picking up here at verse 2 the end of verse 2 now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil in the course of time Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord but Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it, or you must master it. Go to that next slide. Let's just dig into what we just read. Now, Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. Listen, Cain, in the course of time, brought some. He decided, I'll bring it when I want to bring it. I'll bring what I want to bring. Now, here, let's look just a little bit farther. But Abel, no, back, uh, we're still looking at that same one. There you go. Abel from some of the firstborn. Now, let me just propose to you, just because, you know, we've been watching Robert Morris's and the Blessed Life series, and again, in your bulletin, you'll see if you missed any of those videos, you can look online, and we put the website in there, and you can watch these videos yourself. But he reported that some scholars even believe that Cain and Abel were twins. Now, with the scripture we just read that Cain brought some, Abel brought first, that I have to believe that somewhere in their life they were taught that this is what you need to do, right? Now, if it was right to bring the first, then why did Cain think, I don't have to? 
They were taught to do right. You wouldn't teach your boys to do wrong, would you? No, you would teach them how to do right. But he supposed, eh, I can do what I want, and God still has to bless me because I'm just bringing him some. I'll just wait till Sunday morning and reach around in my purse, my wallet, and see what I got and give God some. But the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he didn't. Think about that. He said, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? Not just your offering, but you. And if you do what is wrong, well, I have no choice but not to accept you and not to accept your offering. You, not just your offering, is on the line. You. He said, when you do what is wrong, sin is crouching at your door. And its desire is to have you. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Nothing else. And the minute you say, I can do what I want to do, I can give when I want to give, give what I want to give, give when I want to give, where I want to give. Sin is crouching at your door, and its desire is to have you. And the only way you can master it is when you submit to God's will, God's way. That's it. Any other way, and he says, what did you think was going to happen? If you give the way God told us, if we give the way God told us, we will be blessed. We will be blessed, and our offering will be blessed. But if you give what you want, when you want, where you want, you will not be accepted, you or your offering. So let's break that down a little bit further. Number one, God told us what to give. The principle of the first fruits is all throughout the Old and the New Testament. Leviticus 27.30 says one-tenth, which is what the word tithe means, 10%. One-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord, and it must be set apart as holy to him. Exodus 13, 1 and 2 says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever opens the womb, among the children of Israel, both men and beast. It is mine. The tithe is God's. God specifically said it's mine. We are stewards of all we have is not because we have acquired anything. It's because God's allowed us. We are stewards. Remember when G- Jesus says, you know, when he, that he was told he had to pay taxes and he said, go throw the, uh, hook, go fishing, man. I love that. Just go fishing. Grab the fish. And you pull the fish out. Reach in. Coin. Pay taxes for both of us. Because what did he say? Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. But give to God what is God's. What is God's? Everything. Look around. 
everything. But he says, just give me a tenth, just the first. He tells us what to give. The first is mine. Give me the first. And number two, he tells us when to give. I know we've read it the last couple weeks, but allow me to read Proverbs 3 to you out of the message version, starting at verse 5. Proverbs 3, starting at verse 5, it says, Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do and everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume that you know it all. Run to God and run from evil. Your body will then glow with health. Your very bones will vibrate with life. Honor God with everything you own. Give him the first and the best. Then your barns will burst. Your wine vats will brim over. But don't, dear friends, resent God's discipline. Listen to this. Don't sulk under his loving correction. Sounds like Cain, doesn't it? It's the child he loves that God corrects. A father's delight is behind all of this. We all need to be corrected. I mean, I was in ministry. I think I'm getting close to 25 years in ministry already. I know I'm only 27. God called me when I was two. Anyway, we all need to be corrected. We all need to be reminded. But it's a father's heart that's behind it all. Remember, he wants, he needs your heart. He says, honor God. Honor God with everything you own. The Full Life Study Bible commentates on this and says, we are to give God the first fruits of our income so that, I underline that in my Bible, so that we may honor him as Lord of our lives and our possessions. God will then open the way to pour out a blessing on us. 1 Samuel 2.30 says, God says here, those who honor me, I will honor. He's teaching us when to give. So how is uh, showing honor to God knowing when to give? Well, let me ask you something. If I was, and I have a horrible time opening bananas. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I usually can. It usually just squashes in my hand. Oh, I am hungry. My stomach just growled peeling this banana. If I say, I, who's hungry right now? Is anybody else hungry? Everybody's hungry. Everybody's hungry. Tony's always hungry. Vicki, you said you're hungry. Do you like bananas? You really do. Here you go, Vicki. There you go. You can have that. I'm choking on the banana. I did. I took more than a tenth. I'm greedy. I love bananas. How is that? Showing honor to Vicky and still choking on the banana. 
How is that showing honor to Vicky when I eat off it first? Ew. <laughs> you honor by when you give. You show honor by when you give. Now, to show honor to her is if I would have handed it to her before I even peeled it open. Right? You show honor. See, it's easier to see dishonor than it is to see honor given. Because we're programmed to see negative in this world. So it's, you quickly see, well, let me ask you, do you ever, I love going to the mall and sitting and watching people. I specifically am drawn to, I might eat that later, I'm just going to kind of set that right there. I am specifically drawn to watching couples and how they walk in the mall. And I love seeing an old couple holding hands and that old man opening doors for his wife. And I was seeing him one time, and I mean, this old man, he had his wife, and he was just, and I, he must have been whispering something to her as they were walking along. They're just scooting along in the mall. He must have been whispering something. And I just sat there thinking, he's probably saying, I love you so much, baby. 70 years just is not enough with you. I hope God gives me 20 more, 25, maybe another 70. Now, everything he does is showing honor to his wife, isn't it? Everything he does is showing honor. But the guy who's walking five paces ahead lets the door slam in her face as he's walking through and she's trying to keep up with him, right? Is that honoring her? No, because it's when. It's when. When that shows honor. So God tells you what to give and he tells you when to give. And the third thing is he tells you where to give. In Exodus 34, 26, it says, bring the best of the first fruits, the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. He tells us where to give it. Storehouses. We're called storehouses. So that there will be enough food. Well, here, let's turn over there. I know we've read this one a hundred times already, but Malachi Small book right before the New Testament. Malachi. Let's read this together. Chapter 3. I love there's a discourse going here. There's a conversation going on between God and the people, and he's saying, you know, I, the Lord, I don't change. That's why you're not destroyed. <laughs> Man, we mess up, don't we? Man, we mess up. But God is so loving. He does not change. His love does not change. And he goes, that's why you're not destroyed. I got mercy, and that's why you're not destroyed. But anyway, he's going back and forth. And he says, you know, just return to me, okay? And I will return to you. And they said, what? What do you mean return to you? 
And he says, will a man rob God, yet you rob me? And they argue, how did we rob you? He said, in tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, the whole nation of you. Because you are robbing me. Verse 10, bring your whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. The whole tithe into the storehouse. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I want that blessing. I want that kind of blessing. Verse 11, I will prevent pests, oh, I don't like bugs, from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not And the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Your whole nation is under a curse. Whole lot of you, he says. Your entire household is struggling. You're under a curse. Because you're not bringing the whole tithe, the best of the first fruits. What and when? Where? Again, if we choose where we will give our tithe, we are imposing our will over God's will. And think, again, there we're saying our tithe as if it's ours to do what we will with. We will with? We will with. It's God's. He's already told us. It's mine. Set it apart as holy. That banana wants me to eat it some more. I smell you, banana. You're calling my name. Anyway, why do we get so hungry when we talk about food? Subliminal message. Yes, right. The power of suggestion. That banana is calling my name. Anyway, it's not ours, it's God's. And he's saying, you need to return it to me. Return it to me. Then I can bless you. Then I can accept you and your offering. And he says, you know what, I'll take it one step farther. You do that. You give what I tell you to give, when I tell you to give, where I tell you to give. And I will rebuke the devourer. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He is crouching at your door, ready to have you at any minute. But God says, if you just give me the first, there it is, that great big one. See, I knew I could reach without even looking. Give me the best of the first fruits. Then I'll rebuke the devourer for coming after anything of yours. Anything. Have you ever found yourself living from paycheck to paycheck? Don't raise your hand. I know, yeah. Mm -hmm. And actually, you got too much week at the end of your pay. There's too many more days before the next paycheck. What am I going to do? 
you ever look at your checkbook and say, where did it go? Or what's worse, in our younger days, we didn't believe in the bank. We didn't believe in putting our money in a checking account, so we cashed our check and put all the cash in our pocket every week. And then two days later, it's like, where did it go? Must have holes in these pockets. What happened? And then you start arguing, what'd you do with the money, Brian? What did you do with the money? The money's gone. Where is it? We actually opened a checking account just so we could know who to blame. <laughs> right? It's like I see right there. What's that? Big B, big B, big B, big B, big B. What is that? It's red eyes at 3 o'clock. I need them. It's coffee hour. That's why, I, that's why I bought my coffee machine to make my own iced coffees at home so we couldn't see how many coffees I drank all the time. Anyway. But the rebuking the devourer means that, that that sifting of that sand through your fingers will be stopped up. What you, the same amount of money, this was what, I, we can't figure out, Proverbs 3, stop trying to figure it out. You can't figure it out. You can't figure out God. And testimony after testimony, you're going to keep hearing this. People saying, I don't know, I'm getting paid the exact same. But when I gave God the best, the first, returned it back to him, I have more money now at the end of the week than I had before I started doing that. How does that make sense? It doesn't make sense. I can't figure it out. Well, here it is. God rebukes the devourer. And all those little bitty holes in your bucket, dear Liza, that the money was sifting through, he plugs up. Now that same amount lasts longer, and I can't explain it. This is the principle. When you do what God says, when you give what he wants, when he wants, and where he wants, he said, I'll rebuke that devourer, and you will have more than you know what to do with. I want that more. The curse is never having enough, always lacking, always struggling. That's that curse. Never satisfied. Never content. I hear that in so many Christians. I just feel like I'm, I need something. I need something. I need something. When, when I hear a Christian tell me that, I just feel like I need something. I, need, I said, well, is it God? No, not that. I got God. I just need something. How's your tithing going? Oh, I give when I have. I give. Oh, okay. Well, hey. You're never going to have enough. You're never going to be satisfied. The blessing is that God's going to meet all your needs. He's going to provide all, all your needs. I'll throw open the floodgates of heaven. I will rebuke the devourer. I like that. Then all the nations will call you blessed. For yours will be a delightful land. I like that. Giving must be done according to God's will, not what we will. Again, here it is. God told us what to give, the first, when to give, and that shows honor. And where to give, into the Lord's house. When we give what we want, when we want, where we want, we are imposing our will over God's will, and it will 
puts you under a curse. It takes faith to give the first, not what's left over. There's no faith in that. When you come on Sundays and start digging around through your wallet on Sunday, oh, what do I got? What do I got? <gasps> There's no faith in that. And it's not the amount that enacts the blessing. It's the faith in the first that enacts the blessing. It's giving to God according to his will, not ours. One more scripture, I think. Can't remember. Let's look at Luke chapter 16 together, and they'll put it up on the screen for you. If you don't have your Bible with you, Luke chapter 16. I think this is another one that Pastor Neil alluded to. Starting at verse 10. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And you... If you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. If you aren't faithful with someone else's possession, why would God give you your own? Everything you have, God gave you. It's his possessions, really. And again, he asks you, please return to me. Can you wake that boy up right there? <laughs> well, then tell your body and set up and open up your eyes. Disrespectful. Your mama can still spank your little butt. <laughs> if I can still open a jar when you can't, I can still spank your butt. Okay, anyway. If you can't be trusted to give back to God what is his, why would he continue to give you more? And you notice he used the word trustworthy. Trustworthy. Trust. Did you know that trust is attached to your heart? There it is, back to the heart again. It's about the heart. Do you trust God to give him the first? You don't know if there's any more coming. You are not promised tomorrow. That's why it takes faith to give him the first. There's no faith in, faith in just giving him what's left. Matthew 25, 29, and this is a scripture that picks up right after. Remember the scripture about the talents? Remember the, the king, and he went away, he gave five talents, two talents, and one talent to these three servants, remember? And then he went away, and he says, you better make me money. No, he didn't say anything like that, did he? He just entrusted to them. He entrusted to them five, two, and one. The five ran, put it right to work. 
The one with the two ran, put it wi- right to work. The one with the one, with the one little banana, I'm going to just take another bite. <laughs> Still hungry. The one with the one, he ran, buried it, hit it. And then when he heard, hey, the king is back, choking on the banana again, he dug it up. He actually thought he was doing something good. I would like to, because I have a creative mind, do small towns talk? Small towns talk. Uh Uh-huh. Do you think at any time the man who buried that one coin could have heard the other two guys? You did what? What did you do? You you doubled his money? And what did you do? You you doubled his money too? Were you going to pocket it? What do you mean you're not going to pocket it? You know he just gave you that. He probably just wants that back. You can pocket the rest of that. Don't give that back to him. Just keep it. Well, what did I do with mine? Well, I buried it. I'm going to give him that one back. Could you imagine the conversations? I know they're sitting around at Bigby talking about it, you know? <laughs> Drinking their coffee, their iced vanilla lattes. Well, what do you think? Why would he give you one if he just wanted you to return one? Don't you think he could have kept that one with the rest of his money and it would still be there? Why did he give it to you? And so we pick it up here because he comes back, he shows that king that one and says, here it is. After, of course, he had to watch the guy with the five. Give him back ten. Guy with the two. Give him back two more. And then he says, here's your one right back at you. He says, to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance but from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away from them. Do you really think he needed two more coins? Do you really think he needed five more coins? Do you think he really needed? No, God is always trying to teach us something. I'm giving you something. What are you going to do with it? He's trying to teach us. But if we won't even use what we've been given, why do we sit there and ask for more? Do you try? It goes right back to the, tr- the heart, trust. Now, you've got to think. There was a risk involved for those guys. They have been tr- entrusted with talents from a, what was he called? A shrewd. No? What was he called? Yeah, Uh, a hard, uh, demanding king. For them to take that five and invest it in the stock markets today (laughs) is a risk. They took the risk because their king believed in them. I trust you. That what you're giving me, you've given me everything I need to double, to make more money. To double what you've given me. I trust you. There's a risk involved when you give God your first. 
but do you trust him? He holds us to the same question. Will you be trustworthy with what is mine? Will you be trustworthy? When Abraham was asked to give a son, I don't want to go through this long story. I'm running out of time quickly. Um, it's only been 15 minutes, but, you know. Genesis chapter 22, when Abraham, the promised seed was in his son, that many nations are going to come forth from your son, Abraham. And then God said, why did he want to do that? He wanted to test Abraham's heart. And he said, now, Abraham, will you give me that one son? Doesn't say Abraham argued with God. As a matter of fact, it didn't say that he went and consulted all of his friends and family. Do you believe this could be God? Why would he ask for this? This is my, the one son, the promised son, the promised seed's going to come. Why would he ask me to offer him? It says he rose early that next morning, grabbed the donkey, grabbed the wood, grabbed the fire, grabbed his son, and said, let's go. He trusted God. And on the way there, and some Bible scholars say that um, he was in his 20s by the time he was walking with his father. And he looks around, he goes, hey, Dad, uh, see the wood? Uh, see the fire? Don't see our offering. And Abraham's response is, the Lord will provide. Could you imagine for a second the heartache that he was trying to keep submitted to God, that, God, are you going to make me offer my one and only son? I'm going to lay him down. Lord, he's yours if you want me to do that. And it said it got as far as him taking the knife in his hand, had his son laying there on the altar, knife in hand, when finally God said, now I know what's in your heart. And he even called that mountain, the Lord will provide. Because he looked over and saw there was an offering. It was a ram caught in the thickets, in the bushes, right there. And he was able to then offer that to God. God will provide when you honor him with the first. It's not enough to say you trust God. You have to, as the old saying goes, put your money where you're. All the young people say, what did they just say? <laughs> I know, it's an old, that's why I said it's an old saying. I knew all the old people would be able to say it. Put your money where your mouth is. My favorite scripture in the Bible is James 2.17 that says, Faith without works is dead, useless, no good. You can't say you trust God and your actions do something else. Faith and works have to work together. Robert Morris says, if you can't handle your money properly, you can't handle your destiny properly. So in closing, let me just do this. I want to offer out today two challenges. Remember, God doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. This is going to be such a huge stepping stone in your spiritual growth and the growth of this church, this series that we're concluding today. 
if we all surrender to God our whole heart and begin, begin to honor him with our first fruits, we will be a blessed church of blessed people. And everyone will point and say they are a blessed people. Nothing will stand in our way personally or corporately in advancing the kingdom. So here's your two challenges for today as I close. The first one I want to call the first fruits challenge. And I prayed about this. God, tell me what you want me to say. Tell me how long. What do you want to do? And I really believe it's from the lips of God. He says, I want you, if you aren't already giving your first fruit, what God says to give, when God says to give, and where God says to give. I want to challenge you with this, to take this seven paycheck challenge and say in the next seven paychecks, I'm going to put God to the test. And I will give what he wants, when he wants, and where he wants, just the way he says I will follow his will in my finances. And I'm going to take the challenge and honor God in the next seven paychecks. And if that's you, I want you to grab a tithing envelope right in front of you and just write right on it for your record. Not, you're not going to turn it into me. I don't want to know. It's about you and God. Nobody else needs to know. But you need to make a physical commitment and write right on that tithing app offering envelope that says, I will take the seven paycheck challenge and then stick it in your purse, stick it in your wallet, and then when you get home, put it on your refrigerator or on your mirror, whatever you visit more, to remind you over the, nev the next seven paychecks, I am going to, and listen, this is because of what Uncle Sam has done, unless you're getting paid under the table, and I don't want to know about that either. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, you will have to get strategic and really plan ahead to make sure you are giving God the first fruits of your harvest. I mean, just not even, uh, I don't even know, not too long ago, Brian and I, I mean, it was the end of the week before the week was over, and I looked at him, I'm like, what happened? What, why do, we don't even have enough money to make it the next couple days. What happened? So I started, you know, looking through the checkbook, the person to blame, right? Found that, well, our habit kind of got ahead of us that, you know, we have an allowance that we can take every week, and we were actually grabbing the allowance before the paycheck, um, before the first fruit check was written out of our paycheck because our paychecks automatically deposited in our checking account. So we knew on that day, peg check goes in, we go to the ATM, we take out our offering, slip it in our pocket, and then later on that day, I was setting down to, you know, put our deposit in, right, God, the tie check. But when I looked at the screen, the computer screen, I'm like, wait a minute, the first thing that came out after the paycheck went in was we took out our money. So I'm like, Brian, I'm like, let's you know, so sorry, and let's, you know, fix this. And so we've got to reschedule. We'll take it. We'll wait one more day and take it out the next day so we make sure we are honoring God. with. Our, you're going to have to plan. You're going to have to rearrange some things. 
you're going to have to get strategic in making sure you're giving God your first fruit. And you're like, Brenda, that's legalistic. No, it's not. It's honoring. It's honoring God. When you have to prepare ahead of time and take your offering in, that's showing honor again. But if that's you and you want to take the seven-pay check challenge, write that on a tithing envelope, stick it in your purse, stick it in your wallet right now. I believe, really, I seriously believe this is going to change your life. And if you're sitting right there and you're like, I already do that, Brenda. This is what, uh, Pastor Brenda, this is what I do. I'm, I'm good. We're good at this. Okay, here's your challenge. It's called the extravagant challenge. Over the next seven weeks, I want you to ask God right now, and I believe he's dropping in your mind right now, an amount that he wants you to give above your tithe, above your normal offering, an extravagant offering. To whatever ministry you choose, or you could just put offering on there. Actually, every week you could put extravagant offering. I don't care. But you are stepping into an extravagant giving relationship with God that's going to produce an extravagant blessing on your life. If you take this challenge, I want you to write down the amount God just gave you on an offering envelope that over the next seven weeks you're going to give above your tithe offering, this extravagant offering, and you're going to commit to God the next seven weeks. Again, that's between you and God. But I can't show you, I can't tell you, I can't make you understand the blessings, the curses that are going to be rebuked in your life, the blessings that are going to be released in your life, and it all comes back to where your heart is. You guys have to get this, that worldly wealth is not true riches. And he said, if I can't trust you, if you can't be trustworthy with worldly wealth, why would I trust you with true riches? Let's close our eyes right now. Father, we just submit to you. God, our whole heart is yours right now. Lord, we lay it down. Father, we understand through reading your word today that when you have to discipline us in these matters or other matters, it's coming out of a father's love, a father's heart of correction. And like you told Cain, that if we do what is right, you'll accept us and our offering. But if we don't do what's right, what did you think was going to happen? I can't accept you when you do wrong. I can't accept your gift when you give it according to your will and not my will, says God. Father, for those that are trying to make up their mind right now on what to do and what challenge and if this even applies to them, let your truth be made known right now inside them. Truth truth I don't want to let the body go today until I give you um, an opportunity if you came in here and 
Maybe you've never committed your heart to God. Or maybe at one time when you were little, you used to go to church, but you kind of grew up and grew away from God, and now you feel God tugging at your heart, and today's your day. Today's your day. God gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. He gave his first, his best in faith. While we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. And all you have to do is receive. Today, if that's, if that's you, Pastor Brenda, I need to give my heart to the Lord without anybody else looking around, just so I know I'm praying for you. Just make eye contact with me. Mm-hmm. Yep, I see you. Yep, I see you. Church, you've got new brothers and sisters sitting beside you all throughout this room that's ready today to make Jesus Christ their Lord and their Savior. So help them today by repeating a simple prayer like this with them. Dear Heavenly Father, I submit my life to you. I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of all my sin and come into my life and be the leader and the Lord of all of me. And I commit all of me to follow you with all my heart, all my mind, all my soul, and all my strength for your glory. Amen. Amen. Uh, Amy or Crystal, whoever can come up to the front right now. It's 12 o'clock now, which means I've only preached 20 minutes. So I don't want to leave. If you've come in here, and for one thing, if you just made Jesus Christ the Lord and leader of your life, you need to confess that. You need to grab a hold of somebody and tell them, I did that today. I prayed that prayer today. And we've got a book up here at the altar we want to give you. It will help you in your walk, and we want to partner with you. We want to come beside you, find you some fathers and mothers in the faith, some brothers and sisters in the faith that will walk with you. You do not have to walk this journey alone. Jesus said, I am with you always, and we are committed to make disciples. So we are committed to be beside you as well. And we want to, but you might have come in here today and you're, you're hurting, whether it's a heart hurt, whether it's a mental hurt or a physical hurt, and you need prayer, we want to pray with you. So just stand up, stretch your legs right now before you leave today. I want you to know that when we were in prayer this morning, that I felt such an overwhelming sense of God's presence that he wants 